welcome back to Indie Faith Podcast. You're here with Jules and Mary. Um, we are on episode 41 and we are joined by a very special guest today. Um, he's the owner of clothing brand Poly Kids, uh, Tongan entrepreneur Vils. Hey Vils, how are you? Welcome. Hey guys, thanks for having me. I don't know if you, you watched the, the game last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did it to be honest. I had my alarm full set, but yeah, no, nah, <laughs> didn't get up in time to, to watch the game. Yeah. Yeah, no, same. Yeah, no, same. <laughs> well, you're talking Samoan, but to be honest, our people's getting up there, and it's good to see the, the boys, you know, get, get up there. So, it's good. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, it's been such a, a high for us, for our people the last two weeks. Um. But yeah, yeah, I woke up on a buzz this morning when I saw the stats. So I was like, <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen it all on um, Instagram. I was like, oh, yeah, the boys got up, which was, it's great to see, you know. It's, yeah. um, it's, it's good to finally see our, our little nation get up there and everybody else, you know, cheering them on, you know, no matter what background you are. Mm. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um. All right, so we'll get into um, a little bit about yourself. So you're you're a father of five. Um, can you tell us more about your um, tell our viewers right, yeah. more about yourself? Um, so name is Vils. Um, I'm Tongan, uh, born born in Australia. Uh, grew up in a little suburb in Sydney called Mascot, and um, yeah, um, five kids been married for 15 um and yeah wow. happy now <laughs> um yeah we got a little business called uh poly kids that we started a few years back just because um yeah just to sort of um represent my kids in a way mm. um as they're half tongue and half <clears throat> half australian and um yeah not many people out there really um acknowledge the half caste kids so yeah that's why uh, me and my wife sort of started the business. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah I was I was going to say, when, when did you start your business? And, um, like, how did how did that come about? Um, I think it started around 2016, 2017 or something like that. Um, to be honest, it was like, it was all my wife's idea. Um, it all started with um, her realising as my, my oldest kids now didn't really get in touch with their Tongan culture. Um, we sort of... Didn't keep him away, but we sort of kept distance for my side of the family and stuff like that. We were just always um, concentrating on ourselves, you know. We weren't always in a happy place, so we made sure that we were, you know, working on each other, working on our family first. Um, but yeah, since um, having all the kids and her realising the kids aren't really in touch with their Tongan, Tongan culture, she just thought, you know, uh, why not start something that can represent them, you know, in a way. So... So she started making these little Polynesian coat, um, shoes for, wow. for babies um, and bibs and things like that. And then it just sort of uh, went from Amazing. there, yeah. So, yeah, it was, like, it was our kids that sort of inspired her to start, yeah. Yeah, it's funny that way, huh? Like our, our kids are our biggest inspiration. We, uh, Mary and I also have half-caste kids as well. And um, it, it's similar to, to your journey where um, we did this podcast to sort of learn more about our culture as well um, and also to convey that to our kids. Um, 
but yeah, that, nah, yeah, it's beautiful to see that, like, you know, everyone's sort of getting back in touch with their, their, their culture. Um, but yeah, uh, was it, what are like the biggest challenges that you faced, um, being in the business? Um, me, me personally, like, I don't, I don't try, we don't have, we haven't really tried to challenge ourselves, to be honest. Um, we're just sort of going with the flow, you know what I mean? Just to sort of put it out there for people to acknowledge their, like, their half-caste kids, you know what I mean? So we haven't really taken that bigger step, we haven't taken that leap yet to sort of make it bigger than we want it to be at the moment. So, but the most challenging part about it is, is dealing with that and our surroundings, like my work, the kids, like we homeschool our kids as well. So for my wife to sort of deal with that at the same time, it, there's always that um, negative thought that we can't get through it in a way. But, um, you know, every day we just make phone calls and text messages to each other and just sort of push each other forward, you know. So by the time I finish work, come home and yeah. try to help her out as much as I can with things around the house while she gets the business side stuff on, you know. Um, but yeah, that's the most challenging oh, wow. part is just trying to make time for everything um, just so everything sort of goes smoothly in, in, a, in, in a way. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and do your kids, um, are, they, are they a part of that as well? Do they get um, to be a part of, like, you know, the production side of the, the clothing? Oh, not really. Um, my eldest daughter, she, she really loves doing art. So um, she sort of asked wow. her mum to sort of, um, design some shirts up and things like that. So yeah, she she's the only one that sort of gets involved. Everybody else is just you know, oh mum, dad, did you want us to wear a t-shirt? So we'll just take a photo of it so you can put it on your website. Things like that. That's oh. the only time they get involved. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Um, so for a lot of our people, like we all have these like you know massive ideas and you know um. Like we, we talk a lot <laughs> about, you know, trying to start businesses and that. Um, for anyone out there that is trying to start something, um, what's your advice? Do it. You know, don't be scared. Everyone fails. And if you don't mm. fail, you ain't learning. So if you're not going to fail, you ain't going to learn, you ain't going to move forward, to be honest. Um, that was my mine and my wife's uh, biggest fear was failing. And, you know, especially our people... Um, we a lot of people talk. Um, they all talk, and to be honest, if someone fails, our own people are the first people to put them down instead of you know encouraging them and picking them up and you know and trying to help them out in any way. But then as soon as starts, that person sort of takes that leap of faith and succeeds in some sort of way, they they're also the first person there to sort of say, yeah, you know, I knew you were gonna do it that day. But then if that person failed, they'll sort of you know chuck them under the bus, you know. So but. To anybody out there that wants to do something and put everything into it, to be honest, prove whoever's doubting you wrong. And um, yeah, don't be scared to fail. Because to be honest, every every time we do fail, it's it's a lesson learned. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I don't know if um, you find this as well as like... Um, you don't like a lot of our people like I love that you pointed that out was that a lot of when we we're down a lot of our people put us down like bury us after that <laughs> um but a lot of like I don't know if you find with parents 
um, you know, when you try and have like this outrageous idea to, to start a business, it's always like, no, 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 that's, that's, that's for Palangis, that's for the white people. Yeah. Um, <coughs> just go to work and, you know, do like grind and come back with the money. Um, yeah. Like, do you, like being in the business, have you seen like any, anybody around you that sort of like, you know, where that, um, where they've grown up in like an environment like that? Oh yeah, heaps. Everybody that I know has grown up in an environment like that, you know, like me too. Mm-hmm. Like I never really wanted to start a business when I grew up. I want, to be honest, uh, I wanted to be, I wanted to go to the army because my dad was in the army back in Tonga. And that was, oh, wow. that was sort of like a, that sort of inspired me to do all of that. I was, when I was young, everything I did was, had to got to do with the army. I was always making like, um, silly obstacle courses at home in the backyard with my brothers and sisters and pretending I was like in the army. I'm always watching movies related to the army, things like that, you know. Um, my dad was a person that really supported in everything I did and mum didn't. You know, she always wanted the best for me, but she wanted me to do it in sort of like a safe way that she knows that she, that she can see me all the time, you know, 24-7. So, um... Yeah. Um, yeah, she's like, no, nah, you, you're not doing, you're not going to go to the army, you know, it's, it's too dangerous, things like that. Um, going through school, I had a, um, my math teacher was a, a police officer, um, and he sort of retired from that to help kids and uh, youth kids and stuff in the PCYC. And he's the one that brings to my attention, and he goes, look, I'll, if you do good in school, I'll put a good word out there, you'll be a good cop. So... You know, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea. You know, some, not the army, but become a police officer and help the community in any way possible. Um, so I sort of handed it to my parents and said, oh, yeah. Um, my math teacher said it would be good if I was a cop. You know, I want to do it. Uh, my dad said, yeah, if that's yeah. what you want to do, do it. Mum said, no, nah, it's too dangerous. People are getting shot if you were to run. You know, all of these negative stuff, you know. Um, and then it, the same thing through footy, you know, it was just... Yeah, my mom's like yeah. my parents are uh, very churchy people, so it was wasn't allowed to do anything on a Sunday. So me making rep sides and stuff in state had to always play or train on Sundays. I couldn't even do that. So everything sort of held me back. In a way, my mom sort of held me back in things I wanted to sort of do for my future. But it is what it is, and you know, I'm moving on. So yeah. Uh, they they always have the best intentions, but probably not the right intentions. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Um, yeah. And honestly, I, I don't blame my mum for um, it. You know, I, I used to when I was young, but now I don't. Like, um, and the, the reason why I don't is because I know she's still, she was still learning. Until this day, she's still is. You know, I'm still learning as a father myself yeah. every day. So, yeah. I found that like once we, uh, once you become a parent, then you kind of understand, you know, what they went through, and and like you know, you're you're sort of learning as well, and you kind of now realize, oh, they must have been just learning the same time as well, and trying to figure out because it's hard, it's so hard to be a parent. Hundred percent. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, they teach us what they've only been taught or what they've gone through, sort of thing. You know, and um, it's also hard for yeah. us because we're in this in a different country that they're still trying to understand and get comfortable with and then for them to teach us their ways and then us trying to teach our own kids their ways plus our own ways in this country you know it's it's hard 
Yeah, mm. very hard. Yeah. 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 As far as, because you said you have five kids, and I only have the one. <laughs> um, so I guess my question would be, how do you find balancing having five kids, working, and running a business? Because like you said, you know, if we want to do it, go for it. How do you find the time? But also, how do you make sure you also give enough time to all of your kids? Um, to be honest, we didn't know at the, at the time. It was... Before we started our business, we were at first we started going to the gym and we we had to split it sort of thing. My wife will go during the day and then by the time she comes home, <clears throat> um, oh no no sorry I'll I'll go to the gym during the day during my work break. I'll come home <clears throat> and then in the evening she'll go to she'll go to the gym. But then there were times where she didn't really feel like going to the gym because of the way she was so judgmental about the way she looked. She was uncomfortable about it. You know? um, so she felt like going to the gym, she wasn't putting in her all. So I said, all right, well, then we'll go together. And she goes, what about the kids? They're too young to stay home by themselves and things like that. So I had to sort of explain to her the way I grew up. You know, there were times when my parents had to work two, three jobs each, and they were both overstays at the time. I said, I had to look after my, my siblings since the age of like nine or ten years old. And, you know, we, kept, we did everything our parents asked us to do, you know. My parents put the trust in me. Um, and I think it's our turn to put the trust in our kids, even though they're young. Um, we're not working and stuff, but we're trying to work on ourselves. So if we explain it to our kids, we talk to the kids, eventually they'll understand and they will know that we trust them and things like that, you know. So we just did it. You know, we left them at home on their own. We took off to the gym the first couple few weeks, I think. We went to the gym for about half an hour, 45 minutes max. Come home, they were all sweet. Everything was okay. And they just sort of flowed from there, you know. Um, there was no specific timetable that we put in place to spend time with the kids and go to the gym and stuff, you know. Um, we just sort of took every day step by step. If it didn't work, it didn't work. It wasn't every day that we went to the gym. It wasn't every day that I had to go to work. There were so many days I had to take off work, you know, um, just to sort of help my wife sort of um, keep things at home sort of flowing so it's, it helps her out a bit, you know. Um, there were times that we had to sacrifice days of running the business just to make sure that I'll go to work and we go to the gym to sort of help ourselves and to spend more time with our kids, you know. Um, but yeah, like that's that's just the way we did it. We we sort of went with the flow first, and then when something worked, we sort of kept it there. And then from then on, yeah, every time something fell into place, we kept that at that specific time, and then so on and so on. Um, but yeah, even now, like our kids are much older, 15-year-olds, 14-year-olds, um, looking after our youngest two, especially like now we spend two and a half to three hours at the gym. Time we come home, it's everything's still sweet. So yeah. That's awesome. That's admirable. I I can't even get my ass to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, why we we started um, talking on Instagram was um, was I seen the mis message behind your business and I thought it was just so beautiful that there's like you know um, not only is it like a clothing brand but there's there's a, a you know a big message behind it. Um, can you share with our audience what that is? Um, so it's so our business is politics. Uh, we incorporated our mental health and suicide prevention um, movement into it because 
Um, I went through that stage. Uh, I had uh, mental issues and I had suicide thoughts a few years back. Um, so my wife decided to start a little movement just just to spread the awareness a bit more. You know, she she understands her side and I understand my side. And to put it with the poly kids, it's just, um, you know, finding out stats and stuff from other people and obviously on, on the net. Um, Polynesians, uh, we hold the highest rate here in New Zealand. Um, sorry, here in Australia and in New Zealand. Uh, yeah, same as the Indigenous people, the Aborigines here and the, you know, the Maoris in NZ. We all hold the highest rate of suicide in Australia and NZ. And I told them, we, me and my wife, um, sort of said to each other, if we start our own movement page, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to sort of uh, raise that sort of awareness. Um, so why not put it together with the business? And not only because we've got a, we've got a few followers on there, it's because it can sort of relate to the same thing, you know. Mm. The, the, the mental health and the suicide can relate to the Polynesian kids that are going through this stuff. You know, putting them two and two together, we can do both, both of them at the same time. Um, you know, uh, putting it out there for the half caste kids and all Polynesian kids that, you know, embrace your culture no matter what side you're on. But also for our Polynesian kids and indigenous kids out there, you know, that this this uh, mental health and suicide stuff is real for us people. You know, we've got to raise, um, yeah, we've got to break the stigma about it. So, yeah, that's why we put two and two together. So. But yeah, we started it a few years back after I sort of went through my own episode and stuff like that. So, yeah. What do you think is the main reason for um, the high suicide rates, uh, especially with our people? Me, me personally, I think it's just the pressure of of everything that our it's not not just our parents, but it's everyone around us. You know, we're such loving people, but we're also big people, and people just are so intimidated about us that we have to play um, the good guy and the bad guy in a way. Um, you know, like as much as our people are so kind and loving, we all, we love to give, you know. But then there's also people out there that think we're so ruthless that we can fight, that we can do anything because we're so big and we've just got these natural genetics that we can, you know, we can use use it for what they want. But, um, you know, all of that plus all the stuff from our parents, our cultural stuff, it, it, plays, a, it plays a big part in our, in our mental health. Um, me it was just my 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 own little family, you know, my wife and kids, and I didn't know that I was um how upset they were about me about the way I was changing and things like that. So um it was really hard at the time. So but yeah, for our people, we just um we just sort of need to take it back a bit and give give our kids and give our own people a chance to sort of speak up about what it is that's on their mind. Mm-hmm. We just have to listen. We have to listen. So yeah. I think um, a lot of our people as well, like we're very um, prideful as well that we don't reach out for help because it's it's deemed weak if we do. Um, That's right. Yeah. Especially when you're looking at getting counselling. Um, and mm. uh, like yeah. 100% with the parents as well, like the financial pressures, uh, the cultural pressures and that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 
I think like, oh, I'm not too sure, but like, do you think that there's a conflict as well between like the rapid change of Western society and then the slow paced old school ways of, you know, Pacifica, um, that we kind of in living in between two worlds? Yeah, massively, massively. And that's, that's, that's the hard thing about people, about our people trying to get used to, trying to get used to the Western side of everything and then get used to their own parents' side of stuff, the old school way, you know. Me, I, I love my old school way, but at the same time, I have to understand the new ways that my kids are growing up in, you know. And that's something I sort of realised yeah. that my parents didn't really understand, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, you know... If, disciplining kids and stuff like uh, my parents used to always give us hidings for stuff you know or just scream at us and swear at us and not really swear at us in front of it but just give us a mad growling in front of it let's threaten that they're going to give us a hiding when they go when we get home and things like that um and they always did you know and it was brutal pretty brutal but uh with my kids um i started doing that you know i i, I did start like that and that was the only way i sort of knew new things um yeah. But then I started realizing that my kids were more fearful of me than listening to me and, and respecting me in a way as a father. So I had to sort of turn it down, change my ways and change the way I do things, not for myself, but for my kids. And now I realize yeah. now that I sort of, you know, put two and two, there is my way and then there is their, uh, another way. Um, my kids now, they, they, they talk to me about everything. Now they lock. Now they're always asking me to go to the shops with them and things like that, you know, which as before, it was never like that. So it is hard, very hard for our people to sort of, um, you know, follow both ways at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially, um, and this probably ties into your business experience as well, is like, even when, when you're trying to... Um, you know hit success in the in the western world because that's where you know the money is and all of that and um we have career aspirations and that but it's hard to explain that to your parents that you you don't like you know you need to make the sacrifice to to live your dream and to get the big box um yeah, yeah so like i uh, i noticed that that's also i don't know if this is the same um similar to tongans as well but like in with Samoans, like a lot of our young ones, we have to work where eighty percent of our pay or more goes to our parents. Man, to be honest, I wouldn't know. To be honest, me, as I was, I've been married since I was nineteen. So pretty much, as soon as I finished school, I started. Oh, wow. Didn't really start working, but like, I did work. But it didn't take me long to, you know, sort of prepare to my missus and and then as soon as I worked it was just everything just sort of saved up and went to the wedding. And then after that I just sort of blew it on alcohol pretty much. I was living under my parents' roof for a bit and then we both lived under her parents for a bit, you know, so we weren't really and me, my pain like barely went to my parents. So I I couldn't tell you to be honest. Um Yeah. But with my younger siblings, I've got five siblings under me and, you know, they sort of help balance things around the house with whatever they've got. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't know if it's like that sort of Tongan way, yeah. Mm. 
Um, do you think that there's a lot of um, support and awareness around um, sex education in the Pacifica community? I mean, even just saying that is like, <laughs> got uncomfortable, but like we need it's, to like talk about yeah. it. <laughs> it is, yeah. Like to be honest, it's it's there, there's not much talk about it. To be honest, I don't think there is any talk about it because of that sort of uh, respect aspect of it or you know with the brothers and sisters and all of that um me uh, me I, I respect that way but at the same time it's one of those way where you know people need to wake up and start saying stuff because a lot of people just always talk about oh don't have kids now whatever yeah you know but then to sort of teach your own kids that you can't a lot of people are too embarrassed or they feel they don't um, they can't speak to their own kids about it because of the respectful way. But then at the same time, it's like you're, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go into detail things about it. Yeah. You can be respectful in a way and, and educate your kids about it. Um, you know, I've, I've just started doing that with my older three. It is a bit uncomfortable, but they look at me weird and I just yeah. say, look, it's got to be done. You know, you sign <laughs> at school, now you guys are getting yeah. homeschooled. Um, and even when they were um, in high school and things like that, at public schools and stuff, They'll still come home and say, oh, it was just weird. We're in a classroom full of boys and girls. Our teacher's telling us how to do this, how to have sex education. I was like, why do you feel uncomfortable? And they were like, oh, we don't want to know about that stuff. You know, but, you know, it's, I tell them, I go, these are things that you have to know. You know, these are things that um, they're teaching you guys for your future later on. You know, that something might come up. You know, you guys have got to make, uh, you guys might make good choices. Some people make bad choices, you know. So mm. it's something we have to learn. So I'm, I'm sort of trying to sort of talk to my kids about it in a way, you know, just bit by bit, just little things here and there. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's difficult. It's very difficult yeah, to talk yeah. to them about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, especially now um, with the age of the internet. So like, I we had to have that conversation and with my. Um, with my seven-year-old son and we didn't think we'd ever have to have that conversation yet but he had already been exposed to a lot of stuff on the internet and that so we had to kind of sit him down and and you know have that chat and um but the main thing like you know with sex education I know with islanders as soon as you mention that word they will put off and they don't want to hear anything more but I think yeah. like one of the benefits of talking about it is so that we you know teach our children to set boundaries because there is also like it ties in with the suicide rates but there's also a high number of islanders that you know have been abused sexually that's right if we don't educate our kids enough about it like you said like um kids can make bad choices and when they do make bad choices and people find out people talk when these people talk, these kids that have made those sort of these bad choices for themselves, you know, some of them will get depressed. Some of them won't be able to handle that, that sort of pressure on themselves, you know, and they start getting into a state where they don't feel worthy about themselves, you know. So um, things like this we have to address to our kids. It's important. It's not something that uh, we can just go around and blab, you know, because it's, it's somebody else's... Um, it's somebody else's feeling that you're hurting. And as much as it might sound wussy and stuff in a way, but to be honest, everybody has feelings. And if nobody really cared about anything, why do people get yeah. scared? Why do people get so angry and agitated when, 
you know, if someone wants to say something to them that's maybe not truthful or could be truthful, but then they get heard about it, you know, and they react to it. So obviously they care yeah. about what people say. Um, but yeah, we just need to sort of educate our kids about it more and just teach them there are good ways to go about it, but then there are some decisions that they can make, it can affect them um, later on in the future. So, yeah. Since you started advocating for um, mental health and, and suicide pre prevention, have a lot of people reached out to you for like help or just reached out in general um, on that aspect? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, heaps, heaps. We've had heaps of people from NZ, a few people from here. Uh, we had a couple of people from England. Yeah, so it's, it's been pretty, it's oh, been, wow. like, to me, that's massive. Even if it was one person yeah. anywhere in the world that reached out, that's massive for me, you know. For me to go through it myself and understand their sort of struggle, their thoughts, you know, things like that, and for them to reach out, just one person reaching out, it's massive. It's really big, you know. I've had a couple of kids from out west during lockdown, they've reached out, I've had FaceTimes with them and things like that. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really big thing for our people, it's massive. Um, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people just don't think it's big, you know. But behind the, you know, these mm. kids might be smiling one day, then, then a few minutes later they're not, you know. And yeah. we, we just need to yeah. always ask that question, if to to ask if they're okay, you know. We can't wait for that one time a year that they make it bigger, but we have to ask it every day. So, yeah. 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 And um. In, in in those stats as well, um, the high percentage of, you know, um, Pacifica people that have, have committed suicide are, are males as well. Yeah, our male people just need to sort of, we just need to sort of um, push our pride and ego aside, to be honest. That's, that's all it is. It's, it's got nothing, uh, it, it was, me, I, I was, it was always me, you know, with my family. I had to sort of push that aside and, and listen to my wife and kids. And when I did, I literally just, I literally cried to them for like 10 minutes that night. I cried to my, I cried to my, my kids and my, my wife and apologized to them and, you know, things like that. I finally, I had to push it aside to actually understand why, why, why they're upset. You know, I can't just sit there and keep my pride and ego and just think to them, think to myself, it's like, I don't think I've done anything wrong. You know, whatever, everything wrong has got to do with my wife and kids. That's what I always used to think. Because I was always working, I was coming home and, you know, spending, giving them money to spend every weekend, you know, just doing their own thing. I just thought it was them that wasn't happy. But I didn't realise it was me that wasn't happy. Yeah. I came to realise that it was me spending less time with my wife and kids, um, seeing them going out with uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, being happy with them. You know, that that I didn't realize that that was killing me. Uh, that I wasn't making enough time for my wife and kids back then to spend time with them. You know, to take them shopping and things. I was always at I was always at work, coming home from work, and then just doing my own thing. You know, just sitting around. There were even times I was ignoring my kids. You know, um, but yeah, for our male people, we just need to push our pride and ego aside, and you know, it 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 doesn't make you less of a man to listen to your wife doesn't make you less of a man to listen to your kids 
You know, to be honest, for me, it made me more of a man to listen to my wife and kids. You know, I grew an extra pair and went to the doctors, got diagnosed with, you know, um, with um, depression, you know. Finally went to sort of psychiatrist, psychologist, when they did medical classes, you know, all of that sort of stuff for my wife and kids. Just to find out it was just me. It wasn't, had nothing to do with them. It was just me. So I knew what I had to do and I, I did that. Fixed myself first. And then I, you know, to fix me, I fixed my relationship with my wife and kids. And we, I'm still working on that today, every day. But um, I'm in a happy place now, so yeah. Our male just need to do that, you know, speak up. Yeah. You know, push the ego and pride aside and, you know, get some help. I admire you so much for, for you know, being very open with that because I, I know I have five brothers myself and, you. you know, a lot of um, Pacifica, you know, cousins, male cousins that are, you know, very prideful as well and don't like to talk about, you know, their feelings or don't like to be vulnerable because it's, it's always looked at as, you know, they're weak. Um, and it's funny yeah. because not... not many people around them look at them that way they look at themselves that way <laughs> mm, that's true um yeah so it's like um so thank you so much for for openly you know coming on and and opening up about your experiences as well and and hopefully like you know um it helps a lot of our pacifica men as well um what are some early signs that you know people can look out for you know, because uh, I find it hard because a, a lot of times you, you look at them and they just seem all right, but then you don't know the struggle behind that or you don't know, you know, what's going on in their heads because they're so private, they're so withdrawn. Um, but, like, you know, yeah. growing up with them, they kind of always been that way. So, like, what are what are the, some of the signs that we can look out for? To be honest, there's, for me personally, I, I, I don't know like any sort of sign i'm just one of those people where i just ask questions no not not mm -hmm. not um direct personal questions but just always asking if they're okay you know what i mean and the more uncomfortable they get the more i start realizing that they're not okay if that makes sense um you know some people that that you know personally that sort of change the way they do things, or even on social media, you'll start realising, and then you can just ask that question straight away. Um, but yeah, for me, I like the more I ask if they're okay, the more uncomfortable they st I start realising they're getting. And then that's when I know that they're not okay. Oh. You know, it doesn't mean that I start pushing the boundaries and start asking what's the matter, you know, things like that. I just reach out to them to ask how they are every day, you know. If it's not every day, every second they ask, oh, how are you doing? Just thought I'll check in. Um, you know, give you know, shoot us a text when when you can. You know, and they'll message back, yeah, I'm all good. You know, you start realizing when they start opening up a bit more. You know, um, the more and more they open up a bit yeah. more, you you'll start realizing that there's something behind it. You know, so yeah, there's even a few people I've done that too. You know, we've met up for coffee, things like that, and I've just told them, I go, look, I just want to meet up, just want to make sure you're okay. I'm not here for you to tell me anything you're going through, but I'm just here to let you know that I've got your back. You know, just having a coffee, just two mates having a coffee. After today, that's it. You know, next time we meet up, have another coffee, that's it. You know, it's no, no, no meetings for anybody to tell me a story or anything like that or what they're going through. You know, I let them tell me when they're ready. There's, 
for me, they've got enough pressure on what they're holding within themselves. There's no point of me giving them that extra pressure to make them tell me what's wrong. For them to unload onto me if they don't feel comfortable, that's extra pressure on them. It ain't gonna help. Yeah. So, it's it, everything takes time. So yeah. Um, like I I really like that advice that you gave. Um, with you know just sort of letting them, just asking the question, are you okay? Until they're comfortable to you know talk to you, or you don't have to talk about it at all. Because I find like me as a woman. <laughs> Cause you know we talk <laughs> so i find like you know that was good advice for us women to mm. sort of like you know don't go in there and drill the person and be yeah. like you know what's going on like i can tell that you're you know there's a vibe <laughs> like, so um yeah now nah, that's that's helped a lot like yeah <laughs> yeah because to some people it could be confronting you know for for someone to approach it to to approach yeah. someone like that you know so that's why some people will sort of um, hold back even more uh, or even longer instead of coming out just to so when they're feeling comfortable. So, yeah. Yeah, like I've had a lot of people like that. They You can sort of tell that they want to sort of um, um, tell you what's happening, but then for you not to ask, it's like some, some people want you to ask, you know what I mean? But then... I've noticed a few people that I've asked them if they're okay and then for them to sort of not say anything, um, I feel like they're going to be more uncomfortable if I ask them what's wrong, you know, for them to sort of unload onto me what, what's actually going on through their head and what they're actually going through. I feel like they will feel more judged if, they, if I was to ask them that sort of thing, you know. Um, so I let them sort of tell me when they're ready, you know. Yeah. I have a question. <laughs> um, my question is, um, like like Jules said, we're we're female, so we tend to be a bit more um to the point and too direct when we ask. Um, you as a, a male, um, how do we do it in a way? Because to us as girls, we have family members, we have friends, we have loved ones who are just so quiet. Um that even when you do try and approach them in a way that's not too confronting, they're just not ready. Um, how do you, for you, when you were going through it, what would you have yeah. wanted, um, specifically us women, what would you have wanted us to, to do so that we approach it in a more understanding way and more so they know it's a safe place and they, they can reach out? Because I think we're just, I'm sort of suffocating the ones that I love because I don't know how to <laughs> how to yeah. do it in a way that they they're happy to take on. Um, so no, no. To be honest, nobody knows how to. We just have we have to be patient. Yeah, we just it just takes like I said before. It's just gonna take a lot of time, and it's not one like people will recover easy. People will, will take longer to recover. You know, some people like that. It's just some people will open up straight away. Some people might not. So. For, um, like you're saying, for you women, if that's how you guys feel, you guys just need to have that patience, uh, more patience to sort of um, let them come out of their shell sort of thing. It's not something that you're going to want to get out of them for them, just for you to know, you know what I mean? As much as you want to help and want to know what's happening to them so you can help, you can't force that out of them, you know, and if you do, they might feel uncomfortable and then... If they know, they might think, oh, they might say something to someone else. They might say something, you know. So um, 
for you just being patient and letting them come out when they're ready, that will build that, the, the trust there will just build more. Okay. Yeah, the, the more trust you build between the two of you, the more they're going to un unload onto you and the more comfortable it'll be. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it was, so every time, every, every person I've met so far, I've never asked a question. I've always just asked if, are you okay? And they say, yeah, I'm all good. Oh, sweet, that's it. We'll talk about other things, other things like footies. People, I'll talk to people about soccer, anything. Anything but nothing got to do with them, sort of thing, unless they're ready. Um, and I have had people eventually open up later on, you know, not face-to-face, -face, but over messages. And I would tell them, I go, sweet, you know, if this is the case, how about we meet up again and we'll talk more about it, but somewhere, somewhere else. And they'll be like, yeah, sweet. So instead of going to a cafe or something, we'll just grab a coffee, go for a walk at a park or something, you know, just sit on a park bench and, you know, have a chat. Eventually they come back out again and tell me what they've told me in a message instead, you know. And then for them to feel more comfortable, you can realize you, you if it's, um, you, you, in a way for yourself to uh, not ask, you feel like you've helped more because you know you've been patient. You've helped that person in a way to sort of build the confidence within themselves to sort of share their story with you instead of you pushing it out of them, you know, so... Yeah, I, I, that's my advice anyways, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, that's good. I think um, there, there's a lot with, um, you know, uh, raising awareness and, and, and helping people through mental health, but it's the hell, the how, that's the part that we kind of always struggle with because then, you know, like there's people that are at their most fragile point and you kind of like don't want to tip them over kind of thing like and um it's you see that they're they're struggling but you you so much you want to help but you kind of don't know how to approach the situation yeah. so it was um yeah. yeah no that was really good advice thank you um do you know if there's any um pacifica run programs for mental health uh to be honest no do you think like that um if there was a program, it might attract a lot more of um, our people to sort of, you know, seek help. Um, yeah, I, I think it could. I think it could. Um, I wouldn't know if it'll be successful in a way. Like, um, to be honest, like, well, what I'm doing now on social media, it's... I'm getting messages from people that that people would not expect to message me um, that they're going through something, you know what I mean? Um, having all of that sort of stuff can help out people, 100%. But if they're not going to actually help out people individually, you know, um, I don't know how to explain it. Like for me, sometimes... Um, like I'll, I'll go out of my way, you know, you know what I mean, to to help someone, um, whether it does help them eventually or not, I, I'll I'll do what I can. Um, like that, and that's what I try to do. It's just, mm. just you know, just um, lending an ear for them to talk to me about whatever it is. Um, that's the furthest I've gone so far. You know what I mean? Um, I do want to sort of start something like that eventually. But um, I sort of want to get more of an understanding of of our people and, and things like that first. Because um, times do change, so yeah. 
Um, but I do think it will it will help. Yes, I do think so. Yeah, I was. Um, we did an episode uh, a few episodes back about mental health, and we put out. Um, I was looking for any sort of you know Pacifica program um, that's more tailored towards you know um, our Pacifica youth. Um, but I couldn't I couldn't find anything. There were a couple I think in New Zealand, um, but it was just the usual ones here in Australia, you know. Um, and I I don't know from like from personal experience, um, it is very hard to um, you know use those programs that that are available because they will never Balangis like to us Balangis will never understand our circumstances. They don't understand our culture or how things are run by our culture. So, like, I think that kind of deters, you know, a lot of the, the the kids from, you know, reaching out to those programs to, to yeah. help out. Um, but I would, yeah, I, I, I would 100% support you if you <laughs> go that yeah. route or anybody who's, like, you know, looking at uh, Pacifica-run programs for yeah. mental health. Um, I, I think it would be awesome to see a lot more because you can relate more to someone of your own kind. 100%. Um, but, yeah. Um, you talk about your wife a lot. Do you reckon it helped that she's also not Pacifica to sort of expose you to other sort of um, issues that have it that we don't even know? Because I'm pretty sure a lot of Pacificas don't even know what mental health is and, like, you know, what depression is, what, um, you know anxiety is um and what causes you know suicide rates to be so high for our people do you reckon it was a huge help that she's not pacifica yeah totally you know that um there are times where she doesn't oh she never really understood um the Tongan culture um we always argued about it like when i always wanted to go to church you know i sort of wanted to put my kids take my kids to church with my parents and stuff and i did start but then there were the times where it came up to like White Sunday and things like that. That's when I sort of like, no, nah, we're not coming to church. And my parents were like, why not? I was like, I don't want my kids pressure to do that sort of stuff. And they go, oh, but it's a good thing. I go, no, it's not. And I go, I hated that when I was young. I did it just to, you know, not get a hiding or something like that, you know. Um, but yeah, I never want to put my kids through that sort of pressure <laughs> for church, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it helped in a way because... Um, I started realizing how much pressure the kid, uh, our Pacific kids go through from a very young age. So for her to sort of not agree to it at the same time with me was was a good thing, and it sort of opened my eye to stuff that um, that our parents are, are pushing us to do um, things that we don't really want to do. But it's not just that; it's the like this what Sunday? It's a Sunday for kids. I understand, but. You know, to put so much pressure on kids these days at that at a very young age, it's it's for me it's it shouldn't shouldn't happen at all. So um she did help a lot, massively, you know, to understand to understand my culture in a way as well. Uh, but then to also understand that there are things that I shouldn't be pushing my kids or pushing my kids to do, because um, it will affect them it does affect the kids mentally. So yeah. Yeah. Because it sounds like you guys pretty much taught each other and you guys are still teaching each other stuff. And that, I think that's beautiful. I think a lot of Pacifica couples need to sort of learn how to do that. For all yeah. couples, really. But 100%. That's awesome. 100%. Thank you. You're welcome.
Yeah. But she's still trying to understand stuff now, um, which is great. But um, she she's loving more of wanting to get the, herself and the kids more involved in the culture sort of thing, you know. Um, I've got my sister's wedding in a couple of weeks and she sort of wants them to do like a traditional Tongan dance for my sister's wedding. But it's like too soon for them to learn something. Um, but I don't want you to push them into it. I want them to sort of say yes. And if they do, they'll eventually learn and they'll fall in love with the with the art of the of the Tongolunga sort of thing, you know. So, yeah. And it's good to see that. Yeah. That's amazing. And it, and it was it was your wife that pushed for the, the kids to know more about their culture, eh? Not, um, it is, yeah. yeah. Was that something that you, you were um, you were thinking of? Sorry, uh, it's just I've always tried to sort of um, teach my kids that from a very young age. But with the... Because having twins at first and then having a third one 11 months later, it was more like... Um, my, my wife was um, more scared of the timing of things. Like us islanders, we love to go to the flow. We'll have kids out to about 10, 11, sometimes 12, 1 o'clock at night. And then my missus, my wife didn't, she she wasn't like that. You know, she wanted our kids to be in bed at a certain time, um, have breakfast, lunch and dinner at a certain time, things like that, you know. Just so, because having twins at first, she thought of it being very hard, you know. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Now that she's um sort of going with the flow of everything, yeah, it's it's a lot more. It's less pressure on her, so she's good. She's finding it a bit easier now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I honestly don't know how you guys do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think all right. We're coming to the end of our um our questions. Um, but if you had one minute, I, I really like this question. If you had one minute to send your younger self um, a message, what would it be? Oh man, just oh you know, live life the way you want to live, and um, you know, as much as um, we want to listen to our parents sometimes, but there are sometimes we we should go against their words, you know, for our future in a way um but yeah if it was me just live life the way you want to live it yeah yeah um i might actually um ask we'll go around actually because uh, what would you if you had one minute to send yourself a message what would it be oh. <laughs> um don't be so scared all the time. I was just too scared. I'm especially going back to my younger self. Um, just too scared. So I think I would just have a good minute to not just, um, <laughs> just to be like, you know, don't be so scared all the time. It's you know, like life is scary and the world's scary, but um, there's no need to to hold back or hold yourself back. Um, that would be mine. Hmm. What about you, Kaz? Um, I don't. I think one minute wouldn't be enough for. <laughs> um, just um, yeah, it would be the same. <laughs> like you know, um, find your identity would be one. Find your identity. Find out who yeah. you are. Um, 
and believe in yourself. I think I think that that would sum up everything that I want to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So last question um, for you, Vils. What is your message to anyone that may be watching um, and is at that point of their lives where they want to give up? Don't don't give up. To be honest, that's it's too soon. Way too soon. Um, what you're going through now is you might think it's really hard, um, but you've got it. You know, you've um, there's people out there that do care. People out there that love you. Um, there are people out there that will support you. Maybe it couldn't, it might not be your immediate family, but there are people out there, you know. Um, but yeah, just keep pushing forward every day because you'll make it. All right. So yeah. Awesome. Um, but yeah, thank thank you so much um, for you know for coming onto our podcast and you know t um, talking about your business and and you know, the, the beautiful message that you guys are getting across to, you know, our community. Um, shout out to uh, Vils' wife as well. Um, would it be awesome she could, um, if she was on too? <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, um, amazing. Love what you guys are doing. And um, we're there to support you um, 100%. Uh, love, um, yeah, all for it. Um, did you have anything you wanted to say to um, our audience before we sign out? Um, man, just live every day like you want to live it. You know, cherish every memory you have with your loved ones. Um, whatever plan you've got for yourself in the future, go for it. You know, don't don't be scared to fail. You know, because um, you, you're just falling short of something, and you're just going to learn from it, and you'll just get better every day. Trust me. All right, so keep pushing forward and chase those dreams. Yeah. <laughs> And where can everyone find you? Uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook, just Polykids. Um, yeah, so for our mental health teas and all our ordering and stuff, uh, we've got a website as well. So the links are all in the bio. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. Everybody give them a follow, Polykids, um, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, check out the website as well. I bought myself a, um, a T-shirt. Um, so I can't wait to wear it. <laughs> I love the, the message on there. To, um, fuck suicide on it. Yeah, even though it's blanked out, but yeah, <laughs> we all know what it says <laughs> because like they do. Yeah, I wanted to have it on. I wanted to have it on so bad, but, but my wife said, oh, if you have it, people will be more scared of the message than want to actually read it. And I was like, man. Yeah, so like the reason why I put it on there is because like uh, we can't like sugarcoat it, you know. We can't yeah. sugarcoat this message. It's got to yeah. be out there and for people to actually understand. Yeah. So, yeah, I get asked a lot about it. I've had people ask me if I can take it off and change it. I'm like, look, make your own shirt and change it on your own shirt. You know, <laughs> this is my message. I'm not sugarcoating nothing. This is for <laughs> this is this is for people to understand. This is for me. This is the real pandemic. You know, yeah. so so. That's a real pandemic for me. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, we all know what it means. Uh, uh, I love it. And um, yeah, it's got it's got power. Yeah. It's got power to it. Um, and yeah, we're yeah. 100% supporting you. Thank you so much for all you do for the community. Um, thank you to your yeah. wife as well. Um, and yeah, like hopefully, um, you know, 
this episode helps anybody out there um and always reach out for help um it's not you know um it's okay to to fail because you know that you're a step closer to success um but yeah um that's all i have for today happy sunday <laughs> and um let's yeah let's all stay positive and keep safe everyone we'll see you in the next episode Thanks guys, thanks for having me, appreciate it.